Good morning, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to Speaking Green. Thank you for being patient with us. I um, want to thank my guest, Adam, because we have had major technical difficulties on my end this morning, but we really are excited about this conversation because this is something we haven't spent a lot of time talking about, and I think it's really important for people to know what's happening. So let me introduce our guest. Adam Macon is the program director at Dogwood Alliance. He joined the organization in 2014 and since that time has successfully elevated the our Forest Art Fuel Campaign to international prominence and has been instrumental in supporting the development of an international and regional network pushing back against the growing biomass industry. As a leading spokesperson for Dogwood, he has been the featured and he has been featured in media around the world, including on BBC, French TV, Science Magazine, Politico, and other various regional and national and international media outlets. Born and raised in coal country in eastern Kentucky, Adam has always had a passion for organizing people and fighting the corporation whose practices destroy our earth. Beginning this month, Adam will be directing all of Dogwood's programs, including the Wetlands Forest Initiative, Forest and Climate Work, the Paper Campaign, and continued involvement in the Our Forest Aren't Fuel campaign. Welcome, Adam, and thank you for your patience. That's all right, Beth. Uh, Happy to be here and um, happy to be on the show. Thank you. So um, we're going to keep our fingers crossed that this <laughs> this is all going to turn out. Um, but let's um, start off with y'all just had a major report um, released, and um, we definitely want to focus on that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, we Dogwood Alliance has, has been around for the past 20 years working to protect southern forests. And um, one of the biggest uh, uh, and newest threats to our southern forests is the emerging industrial scale biomass industry. And, um, you know, a little context before I mention why we did the, this report was is that, you know, the, over the past six, seven years, the biomass industry has really um, dramatically expanded a- across the U.S. South. And, and this is because renewable energy policy in Europe is subsidizing the use of wood um, to be burned in large, big, huge power stations over in Europe. And uh, where are they getting that wood? They're getting that wood from our southern forests. So what's happening is southern forests, natural, native southern forests, um, we've often documented bottomland, hardwood, and wetland forests being clear-cut, turned into wood pellets, shipped all the way across the ocean, and burned in power stations uh, for electricity. And it's all counted green energy, um, which is just crazy. And, uh, you know, often when we talk about this, uh, people begin to ask, well, what's the sustainability of it? What are the sustainability standards to ensure that they're doing this? And um, the industry has created their own uh, sustainability certification program called the Sustainable Biomass Program. Uh, and our report was a release as, as a strong critique of, of that of that program, um, showing that it was highly deficient and, and really not a credible um, tool in assessing the impacts of this industry. So, well, and that's 
always a challenge, right? When you allow the industry to regulate themselves, um, it's it's very hard for them to really have meaningful um, requirements because, right, they, they, you know, in the end, they want to make money. And, and there's nothing wrong with making money, but a lot of times industry doesn't have the foresight to make money while doing the right thing, the best thing for the environment. So, um, well, let's explain a little bit about, for, I mean, I know we've had a couple of conversations on Speaking of Green, but it's been a while. So let's explain what a, a pellet is and, and how it's being processed and what um, what states this is happening in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so taking a step back on this, um, you know these these this industrial scale biomass which um you know biomass is this big broad term probably a familiar term to many of your listeners um but when we really talk about um using biomass for energy production that being heat or electricity you're really talking about trees um i know that there's you know there's other forms uh, switchgrass or algae or things like that that would fall under the biomass category, but really on an industrial scale for energy production, you're talking about wood and you're talking about trees. And um, as I mentioned, what's happened is that um, European countries, in an effort to uh, uh, phase off of fossil fuels, which is something that we must do, which is that we, we, we must phase off of fossil fuels, we must end our coal use, um, these utilities found out a, a very sneaky way that they could simply burn wood. And that wood was counted as carbon neutral, and it was counted as a, a legitimate form of renewable energy. And uh, so they began to receive subsidies to, to do this. Um, and this is not heating somebody's home with a small wood fireplace <laughs> like I grew up with. Um, this is a massive coal-burning power station that is allowed to continue to, to burn coal because it's burning a proportion of that being wood, and it takes a lot of wood to do that. So, um, you know, they come over here to the southern U.S. because Europe doesn't have as many forests as we do, and the southern U.S. has incredible amount of forest forests uh, that we need to protect, not chop up and burn for energy, but they come over here and um, clear-cut these forests. They send them to wood, wood pellet manufacturing facilities, uh, these facilities are mainly at, currently in North Carolina, in Georgia, um, in the Panhandle region of Florida, uh, and then in Louisiana and Mississippi. So all along the coastal plain of the U.S. Southeast, uh, because and they locate them near the coast, our coastal hardwood forests, which is what they're targeting. And that is because they're shipping them out overseas. So they send the wood to these wood pellet manufacturing facilities. They chop it all up. They compress it into these little wood pellets that kind of look like rabbit food. You can even buy a bag of them at Lowe's or Home Depot. And they compress them into these. They, they put them on ships, and they ship them all the way overseas to countries like the U.K. or Belgium, where they burn them in these facilities. And uh, the U.S. South is now the largest exporter of wood pellets in the world. Um, that happened in just in basically five years. Uh, so around 2011, uh, it really began. And now, you know, six, six years later, um, we are the largest exporter in the world. So this is it's rapidly expanded. So 
I I mean, I've been following this this issue for a long time. I am shocked to learn that we're the fastest. I am shocked to learn because I, you know, the the argument being made was is we'll just take the the lumber timber, you know, the pine forest that we have, and that will be renewable. So the fact that they're going in and they're chopping basically what sounds like virgin forest to do this um, is is crazy. And and how is that possible? Well, it's possible. Um, uh, because of the, the subsidies behind it, um, it's not a very economic, uh, economical industry to, to burn wood um, because you need a lot of wood. So to produce the same amount of electricity, uh, you need four times as much wood as you would coal. Coal is a very dense form of energy. That's why these companies like to burn it um, because it produces high heat. But wood is less dense, you know, and it's it's not as compact as coal. And so you need a lot of wood. So I think when the the industry first came and and was like, oh, we're we're only using waste wood and we're only using the sawdust and the leftovers, that sounded appealing to most people. But what we didn't realize from the beginning was that these are enormous power stations with enormous appetites for wood. Um, uh, we're talking millions and millions of tons of wood every year um, just to produce a very small amount of energy. So it's a very inefficient process. And uh, but they're getting huge amounts of subsidies to do so. Um, the ut- the main utility in the UK, Drax, which has now built pellet facilities in Louisiana and um, wood pellet manufacturing facilities here in North Carolina, are shipping to. And um, it's this massive power station in the UK. Um, they're getting something to the tune of like 1.4 million. Um, dollars a day. Uh, I'm trying to do some conversions in there because some of them are, are pounds, but you know, around, but somewhere between one and two million dollars a day to burn this. So we're massively subsidizing these these companies to come over here, cut down trees, ship them over to Europe, and and burn them. And the the craziness about all of this um, is yes, that they are cutting down forests in the south and shipping them across to Europe and burning them, but that this is all being done in the name of climate change. This is all being done in the name of reducing carbon emissions in the atmosphere when the best thing that we can be um, doing with our forests, the best thing that we can be doing with our forests in the name of climate change is letting them grow and letting them suck carbon out of the atmosphere. Instead, we're cutting them down and burning them and calling that carbon neutral. (laughs) Um, there's been so much change Um, you know hoping to you know deter climate change and yet the two obvious easiest um, although not perfect but but the the least worst of the options solar and wind are still struggling and that's the thing that really just throws me off right so so let's be honest you know if you're I I know that um, coal, of course, is the reason they burn it is because it's, it's so much more efficient when you burn it versus what you've already stated, wood. So the thought that we're sending our forest over to burn, um, certainly this is this is almost as bad as <laughs> as oil and gas, right? I mean, by the time you add in all the costs to get it shipped overseas. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're you're exactly right. I mean, you know, there are. I I think what's what's important is that to to recognize is that the the solutions are are, are out there. And um, you know there there have been multiple plans now um, to to and pathways constructed that get us to a hundred percent renewable energy um, in the time frame necessary that we need to achieve that uh, without without um, using these outdated polluting combustion technologies um, and. Uh, you know, I think that that's really what it comes down to is is we need to be cultivating life-giving energy, um, energy from the sun, energy from the wind, um, and investing all of these billions of dollars of subsidies that, that are going to things like fossil fuels and industrial-scale biomass um, and investing those in, in energy efficiency measures and, and putting people back to work through those pathways um, and not continuing to maintain the status quo by by continually investing in outdated polluting combustion style technologies which um you know suck suck up our natural resources uh and which are are not taking us in the right direction of climate change and so you know when when we at dogwood talk about forests um it, we we must recognize that um we need to do everything that we can to keep more forests standing uh we have some of the most amazing southern forests and not only in their beauty uh and that folks like to hike in them but the fact that they purify our water 10 million southerners get have have their water uh, at least partially purified through southern forests. They provide our coastal communities with flood protection. We think about here in North Carolina, Hurricane Matthew, um, you know, and and the impacts of that on our communities and the increasing likelihood of storms like that occurring. We need to be protecting those natural flood control systems, which are our coastal hardwood forests. Um, and not to mention carbon sequestration. We need those forests standing to pulling carbon out of the atmosphere. So, so that's the mindset that we need to have around how we utilize forests in the name of climate change. And when you combine that natural technology of standing forests with energy efficiency, with increases in solar, which we have the ability to do so, with increases in wind, both onshore and offshore, then we're really making headway on climate change. But but we have to shift that paradigm from these old, outdated combustion technologies. Well, and so the the answer is if if we if we stop it here in the US we know the reality is is they'll shift to developing countries. And so that's really not where I would think that the pressure needs to happen. Where the pressure needs to happen is in Europe to get these these plants shut down and to start adopting other technology, right? Yeah, and that's a great point. You know, our strategy um at Dogwood has always been really twofold uh to to address this this issue and um if anybody's listening out there that has taken uh been involved in the campaign I just want to say thank you uh for your support we've had overwhelming um uh, community engagement in in this campaign and uh uh you know I I personally just love working with uh people of the south um on issues like these because we really do care about our environment we really are passionate about making change and um you know we've always had a twofold strategy which is number one 
you know, storytelling and, and, and communicating to Europe the impact that their policies are having on the ground here. So working to change those policies in Europe, which are driving this. And we have made incredible progress on that. Um, we are getting a new bioenergy sustainability policy that's in the European Parliament. Um, it's being debated and, and all the complicated political processes or the wheels are turning over there, but um, it is something that uh, has just the, the consciousness over in Europe around what impact this is having on forests and communities of the U.S. South has dramatically changed um, because of the, our coalition partners and the work that Dogwood Alliance has done. In addition, we are working on the ground here in states like North Carolina to stop and and the the facilities these wood pellet manufacturing facilities from actually being built because this is a boom bust energy economy um whether whether these wood pellet facilities have full support or not this is a this is an industry that's going to disappear in 10 years um simply because the prices, the economics of it are not going to work out. Governments are not going to continue to give billions of dollars of subsidies to something when wind and solar technologies are so cheap. And and so this is a, a boom-bust energy economy. We need to – we are organizing on the ground in local communities here in North Carolina um, to to stop these facilities from being built. And, and currently we're fighting a facility in Richmond County, North Carolina, the community, and we're supporting that community to stop that facility in Richmond County, North Carolina, and calling on go our new Governor Cooper um, to uh, – to uh, uh, issue a moratorium and 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 stop that stop that facility from being built, um, or at least deny the permit and hold a pro proper public hearing. So um, that's what we've been doing to address this issue both here at home and abroad, and have made incredible progress over the past couple of years. Well, that's really exciting. I, I mean, I, I mean, I sat through, a, I think, two or three biomass conferences. And you know, pellets is where all the focus. I mean, I mean, it was all focused on that. So, and biomass mm -hmm. makes sense if you're using the right kind of materials, and you're not shipping it across seas. <laughs> like that. I mean, just that alone, right? Just the right. fact that we alone are shipping it overseas just makes no sense, right? And we should be creating energy locally, and you know, no more paying to to ship anything anywhere. Um, I know that's not going to happen anytime soon but you know this should be stopped so the the question is and, and this is where the tension comes in with sustainability because i know that that plant in richmond is promising jobs and so what do you say to critics when you talk about jobs well you know i there is no denying that um rural communities um uh, like richmond county uh need economic development but when we look at it, this is not the type of development that we need. Um, you know, these are extraction-based economies that extract the, the, the wealth and the health of rural communities, export their resources outside, export the profits of the company outside, and um, in in few years, leave that community um, in, in not much a better place than, than they are. And 
And we really have to begin to transition and, and work hand-in-hand hand with rural communities to transition their economies to truly sustainable um, economic development models. You know, one of the ways that, that people would often connect with this is that, um, uh, you know, I like you mentioned in, in the opening, I, I'm from eastern Kentucky. I grew up in a coal mining community um, in which all those jobs are basically gone now. And, you know, for years, the coal industry has sold rural Appalachia on we are bringing jobs, we are bringing the economic engine. But yet, these are still some of the poorest places in the country. And so, yes, the the jobs are there, but are we really benefiting um, the people that live there with with high health care costs with with high rates of cancer um, with you know un- underfunded schooling systems and so those are the questions that I think we've learned from in the past and i I, I travel a lot around to, to small southern communities and they see the writing on the wall you know they, they see it they, they say oh this plant comes in and uh, the plant's going to move away in in a couple of years and so um, I, I, I really think that, that we need a coordinated effort um, to, to implement sustainable economic models. One example that we can use in the, the forestry um, and forest world is you know, the model of, of community-run forests. So these are actually where communities own their, own their forests around. The, you know, the, the, the public owns the forest and, and actually make decisions about how to utilize that resource that really benefits the town through development, through through tourism, through um, recreation, through, yes, uh, you know, occasional logging of, of certain things to, to generate revenue. But um, the decisions don't need to be made that decisions for local communities don't need to be made that, that benefit an, an outside D.C. or, you know, New York or European corporation. They need to be made that benefit the people and, and the, the, those that live in Richmond County, North Carolina, or some other North Carolina town. And um, a handful of people getting jobs for uh, decades, decades of being set back in terms of how that community can develop and, and that community's health is, is not worth it. The, it doesn't balance out, and we need to change that model that has plagued Southern communities for generations. Great. So um, we, uh, first of all, I want to make sure that pe- people know where they can get the report. Yeah, so um I I would just encourage um I would encourage everybody to go to um www.dogwoodalliance.org. Um if they go to the about us section, there's a reports page and you can see all kinds of reports that are on um the report on the sustainable biomass program um with its wonderful name but its inadequate um <laughs> policies is called a smokescreen for forest destruction. There's also lots of other um, reports on on that page. Uh, you can learn about all the different campaigns that we run here at Dogwood Alliance. I would also recommend that um, folks follow us on Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all the social media channels you can find us. Um, we're a great follow on Facebook. We have we always post really really engaging and interesting videos and materials. Um, so folks can get involved. Uh, and I would let um, everybody know that uh, we do have. Um, um, we are working very hard to stop this facility in Richmond 
County, North Carolina. Um, there's a very active campaign. Over 10,000 people um, have signed a petition asking the governor to stop. Over 60 NGOs, nonprofits from North Carolina have signed a letter asking the governor to stop. And so if you go to the, our Act Now page on the Dogwood Alliance website, you can find ways to get involved um, and uh, and we would love to hear from you um, and feel free to, to reach out directly. You can find my contact information on the website uh, and would love to answer any questions that, that your listeners have. So, but my experience with this kind of issue is, is you need local folks responding or at least North Carolina folks responding. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. I mean, if I'm from Georgia, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I'm not a voter there, so it, you know, it doesn't really mm-hmm. resonate. Um, so, what can people? So, what I want is um, before we wrap up, is is I want like the takeaways for those of us who are in southeast states, um, what we can be doing. Um, I know. I mean, I I know a lot about what's happening in the south southeast Georgia, and and there are other environmental concerns because. The plants that um, actually do the work, they're very loud. They create a lot of um, noise pollution and air pollution. Um, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I guess the question is, is what can we do locally and then what can we do to support what's happening in Europe? Yeah, so what I would say locally. Right. Mhm. Mhm. Definitely. So I would say locally what people can do is – if you if you go on um if you go on uh um our our act now page there there are resources there um we have a community organizing toolkit and there are resources there on how to work towards passing a resolution in in your local community um that would that would call on um that would recognize that that this industrial scale biomass is is not a legitimate form of renewable energy, and it would call on um, issuing a, a moratorium against local subsidies being used to subsidize these facilities. That's a way that people can protect their um, local forests, their local resources, their local town from one of these industries moving in. And if you go on the the Act Now page, there's a community organizing toolkit that that uh, you know has people uh, gives people ability to take action um and I- in addition um we have a very active campaign in savannah georgia um if folks know in individuals down there chatham county just passed one of these resolutions um so there's an example and there's a lot of media from savannah that's talking about it there um i would also just spread the word um share information talk to people about it um you can host a movie screening night we have another toolkit for that on our website. Um, and then in terms of, of Europe, we do have an action um, in which you can get engaged and send a petition um, over to European politicians. That makes a big difference. Uh, but I will say, Beth, that, you know, yes, in Richmond County, the local community is leading the fight, but we need a, a broad movement on people calling on this to stop. Yes, you are not a voter in, in North Carolina, and North Carolina voters make an impact. But you know, when we look at issues like uh, the Keystone Pipeline or the Dakota Access Pipeline, 
I don't live in South Dakota, but I took action on that pipeline and I raised up my voice to help stop that pipeline in South Dakota and stand with that local community. So the the Richmond County campaign and stopping that wood pellet facility is precedent setting. That is that is something that everybody can get involved in and everybody can get active in and everybody can share that story because that a victory there helps us all in challenging polluting industrial scale facilities of any kind that are trying to come in our community. When we have a victory, it benefits us all. That's an excellent answer, Adam. I am impressed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I, it, yeah. So, okay. Well, that's good. So we will stand united with our brothers and sisters in, in Richmond County and, and help spread the word on that. And, of course, the fastest, best way – we all know is is social media, and it's amazing what social media can achieve. Is there? We don't. I don't even know where Richmond County is in North Carolina. So is it in the it's western side? It's about an hour or? east of Charlotte. It's about an hour east okay. of Charlotte. And um, if you go to our Facebook page or on the Act Now page, the campaign is called Rise Up with Richmond County, and there is a um, there's about a, a seven minute mini documentary that was produced about the, the community and their fight. So as a first step I, I would encourage folks to watch that mini documentary and then there's a tons of ways to get involved in the campaign. Super. All right, great. Well we will share that on Southeast Green and um we will share that with um I am an Earth Keeper with United Methodist Church, so we will share that with the Earth Keepers and and let people start getting aware of that. So we want to thank you so much for your patience with our technical issues this morning. Needless to say, we were right. frantic, 20 minutes trying to get it resolved. Um, but uh, anyway, we really appreciate your enthusiasm and your passion and, and the hard work that you're doing because I know it's not easy, but we really, really appreciate the Dogwood Alliance, and I have worked with them now for nine years and um, just love the work that you're doing. So thank you so much for your time this morning, Adam. Thanks so much, Beth, and you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for the service that you provide to our community um, and the support and the messages you spread. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks. Have a good day. All Bye-bye. right. You too. Bye. Okay. Well, <laughs> sorry about the uh, technical difficulties today. I know I should stop apologizing because most of you all listen to it as a podcast, but um, anyway, I just when something like that happens I it's it's yeah a bit of a challenge. So that being said though, um we are really excited because upcoming on August 17th if you're in the metro Atlanta area, we're going to be having a luncheon called Sustainability Conversations. So you can pop over to the website, we've got banner ads running or you can get on the calendar to get more information to attend the luncheon. It's going to be um a great conversation with um with all kinds of solutions from business and business cities and NGOs. Um, also, if you are going to attend, if you are a member of the Green Biz Directory, you actually get a discount. So um, I'm going to give you some more information on how to become a member of our Green Biz Directory. Did you know that one of the ways we like to support the sustainability community is by providing an opportunity for businesses of all sizes to be in our Green Business Directory listing? You should get on it because we are getting thousands of visitors every year on all sizes of businesses, and it's very exciting for the folks who are listed on the Green Business Directory. This is what you do to get on. You go to southeastgreen.com. On the second tab, there is the Green Business Directory listing. 
click on that, there'll be a drop-down menu, and you can join the Green Business Directory listing today. Not only will you be on the listing, but you will be sent out to over 10,000 accounts on our social media connections, and you'll also be listed in our next newsletter. So what are you waiting for? Join today. We are signing out with DJ Lang Drops of H2O. Y'all have a great green, a great green groovy week. Thank you.